It's time for Truth Unfiltered with Pastor Chad Harvey. Interestingly, the ark and the cross of Jesus Christ have a whole lot of things in common. That's Chad Harvey. And welcome to today's broadcast of Truth Unfiltered. We're glad you're here. Pastor Chad is the teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh leading you to a deeper understanding of the Bible by putting the scriptures in context, emphasizing how God's Word applies to our daily lives. We invite you to join us and allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth unfiltered to you. And now, here's Pastor Chad. I do believe today, we've got people signed up to be baptized, and that's wonderful. There's somebody in this place today, and it may not be as many as we usually have, but Spirit of God put on my heart. I want you to listen to me. Somebody here today is not right with God, and this may be your last chance to say yes to Jesus. We've had, you're tired of hearing the stories? I don't care. We've had people who didn't even come to a service planning to get saved and then get baptized who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, get saved, come forward and get baptized, 20-year-old healthy people in the prime of their life, who within a week or two weeks later, they are dead. And if you would have told those 20-something-year-olds in the prime of their life, this will be the last chance you ever have to respond to Jesus, they would have said you're crazy. I was gonna say, I'm not trying to scare you. I am trying to scare you. There's somebody here today, this might be your last time. And so since we emphasize baptism so much, I think it's important to see what the Bible has to say about this. In other words, cross assembly, why do y'all emphasize this so much? Because the Bible does. And I want you to see this passage, 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22. Now, Peter the disciple wrote this. This passage is notoriously challenging to translate into the Greek or from the Greek into English. And so I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. I usually don't do that, but I, I, I think it's important for you to be able to understand what Peter's saying here. So Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 18, now here's why we get baptized. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. Isn't that beautiful? Bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood, and that water is a picture of baptism which now saves you, not by removing dirt from your body, but as a response to God from a clean conscience. It is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God. And all the angels and authorities and powers accept his authority. You can't narrow baptism down to one meaning. Here's here's one of several meanings of baptism. Baptism means that you are now part of God's family. In this passage, Peter is talking to the church at large, and he uses the second person plural. You all were baptized. Implication, when you get saved and when you get baptized, this is kind of like our initiation rite. You know, if you're in a fraternity or sorority, they'll do different things. You have to go through this initiation rite. To come on staff here, we have our initiation rites. We do uh, noogies. We do swirlies. We do, all right, you have these initiation rites to become part of the team. 
Baptism in the Bible was your initiation right to become part of the family. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says this, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves, free, black, white, Latino, Republican, Democrat, we all are baptized into one body. This pandemic has been crazy. And one of the unintended consequences of lockdowns was, listen, our people in America are more scared than they've ever been scared before. They're more lonely. Suicide is increasing. People just feel isolated and lonely. I'll tell you something. When you get saved, and when you're baptized, you are put into a family that will never leave you. In fact, Jesus says this in Mark. He says, you come follow me, I will give you a hundredfold times mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. When I went to Iraq a few years ago, guess what? I had some mamas and daddies and brothers and sisters I'd never met before in Iraq. When I went to Sudan a few years ago and met with the underground church, I have brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies who babied me in Sudan. Why? Because I am part of this global family of Jesus Christ. And hey, church, if we can start doing, now listen to me. If we can start doing church the Bible way, you know how many people will be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ just by doing that? In fact, y'all know who Francis Chan is? Great Asian pastor, preacher. Uh, this is, uh, he wrote this a couple years ago, but he said a little over a year ago, we baptized a gang member. He's out in California. I remember loving this gang member's fire and passion. A little while later, someone came up to me in church and said this guy had stopped going to our church and had told him so look, I had the wrong vision of church. I thought that when I got baptized and joined the church, it'd be like it was when I got jumped into the gang. In the gang, we became family. Gang members had my back 24 hours a day. If I was sleeping in the street, they were sleeping there with me. We didn't get together just once a week. It was gang all the time. I guess I just didn't understand church. Now listen to what he says. It's like Satan stole God's playbook and people are attracted to gangs because they are doing things biblically. Except for the killing, they are doing things biblically. <laughs> and these people who are getting baptized today, they're baptized into a family that's gonna love them and look out for them and have their backs 24 hours a day. Secondly, baptism means you're clean. In verse 21, Peter is very clear on this. It's not the ritual of baptism that saves you. Jesus saves you. Somebody needs to hear that. Jesus, now watch this. Jesus saves you. The moment you say to Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. I am a messed up person. I've done some horrible things. In this place today, there's some people who've done horrible things. I love that old hymn, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. I don't care what you've done, who you've done it with, and how many times you've done it, there's forgiveness to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand that. But here's what I'm finding as well. When people come and talk to me and say, Pastor, I'm born again, I'm saved, I got it. But I'm still wrestling with guilt. I still feel so dirty. I still feel so sinful. What do I do? You know, I'll ask them this question. I always ask this. I say, okay, you're truly saved. I'll make sure they're saved. And if they're truly saved, I'll, I'll always ask this question. Watch this. I'll say, okay, you're saved. Have you ever been baptized? You know, it's interesting. 75% of the time, the person either says no or, yeah, I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing. 75% of the time. So here's what I believe. 
I believe Jesus takes away the guilt and I believe baptism takes away the feelings of guilt. I think there's somebody here today, you need to listen to me. You have been dealing with guilt for way too long. Satan haunts you day and night. You're truly born again, or maybe some of you are not. Some of you are wrestling with this thing, and if you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, give your life to Jesus today. If you have, if you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized, and here's what needs to happen. That affair needs to be left right in that water. That abortion needs to be left right in that water. That filth needs to be left right there. There's something powerful. I'm just telling you, there's something powerful about saying the old me, the perverted me, the messed up me, I'm dead right now in Jesus Christ. And I go into this water and all those old memories, the things that I've done and the things that have been done to me are left in that water and I come out a new person. That's baptism. Now I'm gonna say this as well. I think we all are on the same page. Y'all do understand y'all have to be baptized every time you sin. Y'all do realize that, right? Because I have this concern that some of y'all got baptized a couple months ago and then you said a no-no word and you're like, I'm sinful, I gotta get baptized again. Jesus says something really interesting in um, John 13, 10. Contextually, I don't know if it's about baptism, but the, the, the uh, principles are the same. He said, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, the whole body is clean. So some of y'all have had that bath, you've been saved, you got your feet dirty, but you don't need to be rebaptized. But, but some of y'all, some of y'all, you were eight years old when you got baptized. You don't know what you're doing. It's vacation Bible school. My best buddy got baptized, so I'm going to get baptized. And, uh, you know, I got baptized at age nine, but, you know, I did all my heavy-duty sinning after I got baptized, okay? And so um, it's kind of interesting. I did this a couple years ago. Dawn and I went to Israel. I was a pastor. And when I was eight years old and nine years old, whatever, I, I, my, my, I, I got baptized with the concept that I had. But there's just been a lot of junk that had accumulated over the years. And I went to the Jordan River, and a pastor baptized me in the Jordan River. And I said, you know what? All that mess from age nine to now, I just leave it right here today. Somebody needs to leave it right here today. Peter says this, baptism also means that you're making a stand for Jesus. Now, I'm going to have to... Hold with me. I'm going to put a couple concepts together and we're going to bring them all this together because this is pretty powerful. In verse 19, have y'all ever wondered, all right, Jesus dies. He's raised on Sunday. What happened in those few days when he was in the grave? Well, in verse 19, Peter tells you. Peter says there was a special class of demons thousands of years ago during the time of Noah who came down to earth, had relations with human women. They produced these weird offsprings. Just trust me. And so these are a special class of demons. So God takes these demons, these horrible demons, and he places them in this special pit. And when Jesus died on the cross, it says his soul descended and he proclaimed, he preached to these demons. Now he doesn't preach to get the demons saved. It's not like a Billy Graham crusade for demons, okay? That word, Caruso, really means to proclaim. He proclaimed victory. Jesus Christ goes to these demons and he says, forces of hell, you lost, I won. You thought you beat me at the cross? No, I beat you. I am the conqueror of the universe. That's what he proclaimed. And then Peter says this in verse 21, baptism is a response to God from a clean conscience. Look at that word response. According to Liddell's Greek lexicon, that word can also mean a pledge, an oath, or a commitment. Remember that. 
pledge, oath, commitment. And then it says this, conscience, according to the Greek scholars Bauer, Art, and Gingrich, this means, quote, an attitude that reflects one's loyalty. You put all this together. This is beautiful. Watch this, watch this. When you get baptized, what you're saying to the people who are gathered here today, people online, God, angels, demons, Satan himself, you're telling the whole universe, I'm tired of serving Satan. I've decided to make a decision. From this day forward, my commitment is to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow that man for the rest of my life. And I don't care who cares. I don't care what you say. I don't care what happens. As of this day, I'm now standing for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know there's a reason why in Muslim countries, they'll let you raise your, everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand. They'll let you do that stuff all day long. They don't care. You don't get your heads chopped off when you, when you get baptized. Because the Muslims understand something the American church doesn't understand, that when you get in that water, you're now saying to all the forces of darkness, everything that has breath, spiritual, physical, you're now saying, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. I'll tell you something. There's somebody in this place today. You've been playing the game too long. Sunday morning is your Jesus time. Monday through Saturday is your time. You keep going back and forth, back and forth. You follow Jesus when it's popular. And when it's not popular to follow Jesus, you live like hell just like everybody else. And this thing is driving you crazy. And the Lord is saying, let me do a favor for you today. I'm going to help you out a little bit. If you want to follow Satan, go follow Satan. That's fine. If you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. But you got to make a decision. You can't just keep going back and forth today. It's like one man that I saw. He uh, was, that's just so funny. I shouldn't have laughed. You ever laugh at things you shouldn't laugh at and then you have to confess? I, was, I, was, I watched this guy. He had one foot on the dock, okay? And then he was trying to get in a boat where his, his uh, family was and he had another foot in that boat and that boat and the dock started to drift apart. And you know how people panic? He thought he could do like maybe an eternal split. You can't do an eternal split. At some point you gotta say, am I gonna get on the dock or am I gonna get in the boat? I'm telling somebody today, it's time to stop playing games with God and you're going to have to decide, am I going to follow the forces of darkness, the defeated forces of darkness that's going to end up in hell one day, or am I going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? And baptism is your way of saying, I've decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're telling everybody that. See, that's why I don't believe in private baptisms. Baptism was never meant to be private. It's meant to be public. You're telling everybody, I belong to Jesus. In fact, I heard a story one time of a little boy, a little eight-year-old boy in Sunday school class that didn't grow up in church, didn't know church lingo. He gave his life to Jesus in Sunday school one day. And the little Sunday school teacher was so excited for him. So, okay, kid, that's wonderful you give your life to Jesus. Now what you have to do is go to the pastor and tell him you've gotten saved and now you want to get baptized. He said, what? Tell him you've gotten saved and now you want to get baptized. And so after church, the little eight-year-old Kid went up to the pastor. He said, hey, I've gotten saved. Now I want to get advertised. Well, you know, he was on to something. When you get baptized, you are advertising to God, demons, angels, mama, daddy, TV, everybody. I don't care. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to say to that lady, when I propose to her, let's get, let's get married But let's have a secret ceremony and don't tell anybody, don't let anybody know, for God's sake, don't tell anybody you and I are married. Do you think she would have said yes? Why do you think, 
Honestly, why do you think that Jesus is okay with you doing this silly little head bowed, eyes closed, so nobody can see you? It doesn't work that way. Biblically, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, you got to say, I'm not ashamed. I want everybody to know I belong to Jesus. And some of y'all are going to do that today. I'm going to say this. Some of this back and forth is driving some of y'all crazy. It's going to end today because you're going to make a decision today. Baptism also means, listen to this. Baptism means you are safe. What do you mean by that? Look at verse 20. Peter says, only eight people were safe from drowning in that terrible flood that covered the earth. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Peter does something strange. Now watch this. Peter equates baptism with Noah's ark. How in the world does baptism connect with Noah's ark? Well, it does it in several ways. Number one, like Noah's ark, baptism reminds us that judgment is coming. God says to Noah in Genesis chapter six, Noah, the human race has rebelled against me. I am a holy God. I have to judge sin. Y'all do realize that. You don't like that. You like the nice God, the loving God, the happy God. And I like that. And he is all those things. But you also know he's a God of holiness. He has to judge sin. If God doesn't judge sin, he violates his very character. Judgment's coming. I like what Billy Graham said. If God doesn't judge America, then he owes Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Judgment is coming. Beloved, judgment is coming for you. Again, now look, y'all want me, y'all amen me when I preach this book. Y'all still amen to me right now? Because this book makes it very clear, God is a God of justice. He must punish sin. And Noah's ark was a visible sign that judgment is coming. And y'all got two Noah's arks up here today. These are beautiful and I love baptism, but baptism reminds you judgment is coming. You know, over the last couple of years, I've gotten interested in the whole near-death experience thing. There's some fruity, weird near-death experiences. I, I get that. But what's happening is, because people are saying, why are we seeing a rise in near-death experiences? With, with our medical technology, we are now able to bring people from the brink in a way that we weren't able to do 100 years ago. And if you start studying these near-death experiences, media doesn't like talking about this. There's a lot of very bad near-death experiences. And one that got me interested in this whole thing years ago was from a man named Maurice Rawlings. He was a cardiologist in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He went to church. He served on committees, but he wasn't saved. Y'all do realize just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved, right? Just because you walk into a garage doesn't mean you're a car, okay? And so he is a lost church member. He had been a physician to President Dwight Eisenhower years before. He was an associate clinical professor of medicine at the University of Tennessee. Dr. Rawlings was doing tests on a 47-year-old man on a treadmill when the man's heart stopped and the man died. Dr. Rawlings began to do chest compressions and brought the man back, and he said, I was not expecting what happened when I brought the man back. The patient screamed, quote, I am in hell, I am in hell. He was terrified and pleaded with me to help him. He flatlined again and I brought him back again. And when he came to, he was screaming, I am in hell, I am in hell. Doctor, how do I stay out of hell? I told him, I guess it was the same principle I'd heard in Sunday school years ago, that uh, you asked Jesus to save you. He says, I don't know, doctor, I don't know how. Pray for me, pray for me. 
pray for him. What nerve. I told him I was a doctor. I'm not a preacher. Pray for me, he screamed. I am in hell. Oh God, I'm in hell. I knew I had no choice. It was a dying man's request. So I had him repeat the words after me as we worked on his chest right there on the floor of the clinic. It was a very simple prayer because I didn't know anything about praying, but it went something like this. Lord Jesus, please keep me out of hell. Please forgive me of my sins. I turn my life over to you. If I die, please take me to heaven. That's all I knew to tell him. He said the patient's condition finally stabilized and he was transported to a hospital. I, I went home, dusted off my Bible and started reading it again and he ended up getting saved. Now, what's your point, Chad? My point is this, like it or not, because we, we, we try to uh, anesthetize, I think, what we, I think we instinctively know, I believe this, God has put eternity in the heart of every human being. I think every human being instinctively knows the day of judgment is coming, I really do. We try to anesthetize that while watching the Kardashians straight to hell, while trying to do our Facebook. We keep our brain going 100 miles an hour, 24-7, to try to hide the fact that day of judgment is coming. And baptism today says, number one, just like Noah's Ark, I believe a day of judgment is coming. Number two, like Noah's Ark, Baptism also reminds us that God has made us a way of escape from the coming judgment. Interestingly, the ark and the cross of Jesus Christ have a whole lot of things in common. The ark and the cross are both instruments of protection and both of them are made out of wood. Genesis 6, 14, God says to Noah, cover the ark with pitch. Do you know what pitch is? It is a sticky, dark, gooey substance that would remind you of blood. Basically, cover the ark with blood. And that word cover that God uses in Genesis 6, 14, it's the Hebrew word atonement. He basically says, my judgment is coming. Put those people in that ark. It will be covered in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when my judgment comes, they will be protected from my coming judgment. And when you get saved, Listen to me. When you get saved, you're saying, I deserve judgment. I deserve all the wrath of God. But I've gotten saved. I placed myself in Jesus Christ, and now he is my ark of protection. He is my covering. And when the wrath of God comes, it won't hit me because it hit Jesus Christ in my place 2,000 years ago. Just like Noah's ark, baptism reminds us there is only one way of escape. Hey, beloved, how many Noah's arks were there? One. According to Genesis, how many doors were there into that ark? One. Jesus says in John 10, 9, I am the door. One ark, one door. Y'all do realize there are not a hundred ways of protection from God. There's not only, there's not the Buddha way of protection from the coming judgment. There's not the Allah way of protection from the coming judgment. There's not the good works way of protection from the coming judgment. There's one way of protection and his name is Jesus Christ. One ark, one door. Let me give you a lesson in spatial physics. Inside is inside and outside is outside. You are inside of Jesus or you're outside of Jesus. 
But there's no in-between. There's one way for protection of the coming judgment. His name is Jesus Christ. You are either in Christ or outside of Christ. And that's why when you're baptized in places like Galatians, in Romans, it says when you get saved, you are baptized into Jesus Christ. That means you who should be going to hell, if I can put that bluntly. Me who should be suffering God's wrath. I get saved and I am placed in Jesus Christ and I am protected henceforth and forevermore. Y'all just, is, this, is that not great news? And so beloved, well, Pastor, why, why are you so serious all the time? Pastor, why can't you just be a little bit more cheerful and a little bit more happy? Because I, here's why, I actually believe this book. And here's what God says to the prophet in the Old Testament. He says, look, if I tell the people judgment is coming, and you don't preach that message, I'm still gonna judge them, and your blood is gonna be on your head as well. I'm holding you and them accountable. But if I say judgment is coming, and you are faithful in proclaiming the word, and they don't listen to you, they're gonna be judged, but you're safe. And the Lord has made it very clear to me through this word, judgment is coming. And I'm just the UPS guy. I'm the Amazon delivery guy. I'm here to deliver the package. You can take it if you want. You don't have to. But my hands are clean because I'm just telling you, this Bible is true. This book is true. There's one way of escape, and his name is Jesus Christ. And to me, beloved, I think possibly the saddest verse in the Bible is Genesis 7, 16. So Noah and his family and all the animals, they're in the ark. And then it says in Genesis 7, 16, then the Lord closed the door. God says this, my spirit won't always strive with man. Day's gonna come, I'm gonna close that door. Thanks for joining us for today's Truth Unfiltered broadcast. We invite you to join us again next time for more great teaching from Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor at Cross Assembly Church of Raleigh. Celebrating over 20 years as senior pastor of Cross Assembly, Chad Harvey brings the truth unfiltered of God's Word to your daily life. Originally from Salisbury, North Carolina, his passion for reaching the lost, sending out spirit-filled agents to a global mission field, and equipping each member to lead their family in the amazing love and grace found only in Jesus has been the cornerstone of his time in leadership at Cross Assembly. Together with his family and a loving pastoral staff serving all throughout the week, they welcome you with open arms with any need, question, or request for spiritual guidance you face today. More than just a radio Bible teacher, Discover the true blessing of joining God's family right here in the Triangle at one of our two campuses with a third coming this fall. Join us any Sunday for our online worship service at crossassembly.org. That's crossassembly.org. You'll be glad you did. 
Dream Center started back in 2014. Since then, it's been amazing to see how we started in more communities. And even through the pandemic, we grew from serving seven communities and ultimately impacting 57 communities over a short time. But watching the impact, it was the local churches that were stepping up. It was people like you that were coming out. You're serving, you're volunteering, and just pouring into the community for the sake of God's kingdom. Looking forward, we want to encourage you to be involved. If you're not familiar with us, go look at our website, RaleighDreamCenter.org. You can see all the places where you can volunteer, you can help package the groceries in our warehouse. You can come serve out in the communities. You can play with kids and hang out. Or if you're in the recovery world and you, you know somebody, maybe you have a family member who's going through it and you want somebody to walk alongside them, keep the Dream Center in mind. Send them along to us. We'd love to, to walk that walk with people uh, because we love people and we believe that's where Christ called us to go. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 40, uh, we see the great response where Jesus was said, I, I, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. And just all of these practical ways that the believers are supposed to walk and operate and how it's truly serving Christ in those ways. Thank you for those that volunteer. Thank you for those that give to this ministry. And together we can continue having a long lasting legacy here in the Raleigh area. If you would like more information about Pastor Chad or Cross Assembly, visit crossassembly.org. Again, that's crossassembly.org. You're always welcome to visit us at any of our locations for Sunday morning services. You'll find locations and service times on our website. To support this ministry, text CROSS to 45777. That's CROSS to 45777. Join us again next time for more teaching with Pastor Chad Harvey, teaching pastor of Cross Assembly Church in Raleigh, and more of God's truth unfiltered. Yeah.